Repeat a lie often enough and it becomes the truth. That's a phrase often attributed to Nazi propaganda leaders. But sadly, it's also a tactic we see happening way too much in our ongoing cultural war. On today's show, we're going to tackle some of the most far-reaching and damaging myths that people are accepting as truth in our culture today. Welcome to Speak Up Virginia, equipping you to speak up on the life, family, and freedom issues that matter most to you. From the Family Foundation, I'm your host, Candy Cushman, and I'm joined today by our president, Victoria Cobb. So today, we're going to be talking about some serious issues concerning the cultural lives that are out there, myths that become truths, so to speak. But first, on a lighter note, one of the most common myths that kids try to get their parents to believe is this whole thing of mom... All the kids have a cell phone and I need one too. And that does cause a lot of stress for families and parents trying to figure that out. At what age do I let my kid have access to the cell phone, to this whole technology that gives them a portal into the social media world? Now, your family is no exception to this, right, Victoria, just having to deal with this whole debate? Yeah, we're no exception for sure, because my daughter tried for years to get a phone before we allowed her to have one, and it ended up in this big, long essay about all the reasons why she should have a phone. And it included everything about when she's been left too long at a sporting event and needed to contact us, and why she needs it, because she wants to be able to go to the mall with her friends, all the typical teenage reasons. But she also tried to, um, we'll just say, use some sneaky data to try to make her point. She actually tried to claim that if she added her plan to my husband's plan, his rate would go down. Well, yeah, his rate will go down, but we still have a whole additional plan. And then she tried this ridiculous thing about kidnapping. And I'll just let you listen to a clip of that. Owning a phone would be an important safety tool would allow me to be able to contact you and save me from social suicide. Phones are not only a helpful tool, but they are a safety device. Owning a phone would allow me to be able to contact 911 if something bad were to ever happen. In today's world, crime is a common thing. Kidnapping rates go up every second. The statistics of children being kidnapped is one for every 40 seconds. There are 460,000 missing children every year. 80% of these missing children are teenagers. By giving me a phone, you could be saving me from this possible kidnapping because I could immediately call 911. Okay, I just love her creativity of bringing in societal suicide that, you know, has a nice ring to it. So got to give her credit for that. And then we see that data fudging coming up again with the the kidnapping statistics seem a little suspect. (laughs) There's no question the rate of kidnapping, the rate of kidnapping is what she actually said is going up every day. No, there may be a child kidnapped every day. I don't know the literal statistics. and I don't know whether she was right about that, but she's just sort of taking everything she can and throwing it at a wall. It sort of feels like I've raised a liberal, but I promise she's (laughs) she's just trying to make her point and yes of course it does feel like social suicide when all your friends have something that you don't and we you know we can validate that but we also have to teach our kids to be set apart to be different that that is part of what we're called to do all right well to dive into today's topic we wanted to address how in this ongoing cultural battle as i mentioned we are more often seeing this orwellian tactic being put into play where if you just repeat a falsehood often enough eventually it becomes truth in people's minds Yeah, and that is why today we thought, let's step back from all the news that we've been hearing and and commenting on things that are in real time, but let's talk about actually these underlying myths or lies that we hear connected to really important issues because they can trip us up. But but these issues, life, education, religious freedom, whatever it might be, we need to make sure we're not believing some presuppositions and myths that are being handed to us. That's exactly right. And I know one of the issues that you are most passionate about is how our society just continues to degrade the dignity and sanctity of human life. And often the core of that degradation, it just starts with this idea that an unborn baby is just a disposable inconvenience, a piece of tissue, it isn't really human. 
And one of the biggest myths out there that becomes a vehicle for that lie and really just becoming numb to killing babies in the womb is this repeated statement that we hear so much. Well, most people, the majority of people turn to abortions due to heartbreaking circumstances like rape or incest. And therefore, we have to allow general legalized abortion in a really broad way. Victoria, can you tackle that myth for us? Yeah. First of all, we have to say rape is terrible and we don't want to dismiss the horrific circumstances that can lead to pregnancy. However, a tiny fraction of all abortion actually connects to something like rape. That is a very, very small fraction. And we don't need a tiny fraction to justify all broad abortion. You know, this entire use it for any reason like birth control. Um, abortion after rape is actually punishing the wrong person. If you think about a child born into a situation with rape, there are three people involved, the mother, the child, and the rapist. Who should be punished out of that scenario? It's the rapist. We don't punish children for the sins of their parents. And in this case, taking their life is actually probably a more harsh punishment than the punishment that the rapist will even get. So it's a crazy idea that we would do this. It's analogous to saying something like, when a woman's in labor, she's gonna have to speed to race to get to the hospital. So we should never have speed limits because that one situation might justify her breaking the law. No, we don't do that in society. And that's what they try to do with this case of ab abortion. Yeah, and similarly, like with the speeding laws, um, thousands more, millions more people end up getting killed when we loosen the laws. You know, it's not just that rare exception. And speaking of the term rare, I mean, I'm thinking we used to hear a lot back in the day about rare and safe. That was kind of the mantra. And so it just kind of shows you that slippery slope. It doesn't stay rare, right? That, that's exactly right. We can't, I mean, they tried to justify this saying, you know, safe, legal, and rare, except that they're using a really rare example to try to justify it actually being very common and taking a lot of human life. Okay, well, another issue that's really on people's hearts these days is what's happening in our public schools, whether it's the promotion of explicit sexual activity to our kids without our permission, this whole gender confusion thing that they're really pushing, um, things that are causing division in our country, like critical race theory, causing division instead of unifying people around American principles. It's just all of these issues are making parents feel like that the schools aren't really accountable to them anymore, that they're just kind of out there saying they have concerns and no one's really listening. And that's where this issue of school choice becomes so important. It is a moment right now more than ever that we need to have choices in education. But I think that's why we're seeing so much pushback against educational choice from the unions and why we hear so many lies, so many myths associated with school choice. Yeah, and one of the most common myths we hear out there is this idea that school choice is going to hurt public schools, letting parents have more alternatives, letting them redirect their tax dollars to give them more alternatives is going to hurt public schools. And what they basically say is it's going to drain money, resources, and skim the best kids. Can you respond to that one? Yeah. First of all, we need to note that all Virginians have school choice in pre-K and in college. The only time we actually don't have school choice is in the only place where we're required to go to school, which is K through 12. The also thing we need to say is that the rich, they have school choice. They can move into the right zip code. They can put their kid in a private school, whatever it might be. The only people who don't have school choice are those who can't afford it. So what we're essentially saying is we're going to allow a zip code to define someone. And everywhere else in society, we actually do everything we can to make sure that where you're born does not define your outcome. We put in public transportation to make sure people can get to good jobs no matter where they live. But yet in the edu education area, we're doing something entirely different. 
And the most important thing that, that, that we need to address with this whole craziness that school choice is somehow going to harm everyone is this is a matter of competition. Everywhere else in our society, we think competition makes something greater. And the last, most, most important thing is to say that only the best would leave and that it's sort of creaming off. That's the bigotry of low expectations. That's like saying somebody doesn't care about a child. That's just not right. Thanks for tuning in. If you're just now joining us for Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. For more information about us or the topics we're addressing, you can visit familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. You know, in a show where we are tackling the top cultural lies out there, we can't overlook the push to promote critical race theory going on right now, not only in our schools, but in our corporations. And one of the big deceptions you see driving this whole push is this statement, America is a racist nation, and it can't be fixed without dismantling the whole thing, all the foundations. Victoria, I'd love to hear some tips you might have on people, how people can kind of counteract that huge overstatement. Yeah, we need to acknowledge racism is wrong. Racism harms human beings. We need to be really straightforward about that. But that doesn't take us to very far conclusions, which is every system is broken. Um, yes, there, no question, our nation has a tough history on, on race issues, but it's really actually not embedded in our founding documents the way people would think. We actually had things like we hold all these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. What we had are people who didn't live up to the ideals that they actually put in the documents, right? So they, they believed it and then they didn't actually live up to because we're sinful human beings because all racism is a product of sin. It's human hearts. It's where we don't acknowledge a creator that created all things equal. So we also have to look at it and say, is it broken all the way through all the systems? And we would say, no, the systems ac actually have been improved. If you look at the laws, the laws have been improved to make sure that we have equality embedded everywhere throughout our law. But also we are seeing progress. So this idea that, that we are uh, broken beyond repair doesn't speak to what we've actually seen. Mm -hmm. um, if you surveyed people about whether they were okay with a black president 50 years ago and then surveyed them um, just now, you'd find right now there's about 4% who would say, nah, I'm not okay with that. Well, there's always going to be 4% of just flawed, confused, human, broken hearts. But same thing with interracial marriage. Survey that 50 years ago, survey it today, and what you see is people's hearts are moving, the systems have changed, and the mm -hmm. hearts are changing. It's not overnight, and it's not going to be resolved overnight. It's a constant sin issue. You know, we have this ideal of our families and that doesn't, just because we have brokenness in our families, it doesn't mean that we should stop celebrating family. It's okay to have this ideal that we never quite live up to, but we still celebrate families. We still deal with the brokenness and try to go toward healing, but we don't dismantle our whole family system, right? So I kind of think of it like that the same way with our nation. So that helps me kind of put things into perspective that we should still celebrate things together as Americans. We should still celebrate the heritage that we have together. Yeah. Celebrate the good, condemn the bad. It's not complicated. We overcomplicate it. Well, it's that time again. Time for our Inconceivable Moments Award, where we're featuring examples of the absolute lunacy and craziness that happens when our cultural leaders try to give guidance completely apart from biblical principles. And we're calling this the Liberals' Most Inconceivable Moments Award. Inconceivable! You know, sometimes it just feels like there's sort of a telepathy happening everywhere among liberals where they just all start magically saying the same phrase at the same moment. 
Well, ironically, we saw this happening right around Mother's Day. All these left-wing politicians started using this term, birthing people. Instead of mothers, apparently we're now supposed to say birthing people. Yeah, it's even funnier when it's not just the cultural elites that are saying it. When you actually, I actually had a friend who's a liberal, crazy leftist guy on my Facebook feed, and he was actually parroting those words, saying the same thing. But this actually originally started, uh, or maybe, you know, first started when at a congressional hearing on what is actually a very serious issue. And that is the higher risk that black women face when giving birth. And that is something we should actually be talking about. But the liberal legislators speaking about it started using this birthing people terminology. Let's just listen in. I sit before you today as a single mom, as a nurse, as an activist, and as a congresswoman, and I am committed to doing the absolute most to protect black mothers, to protect black babies, to pr protect black birthing people, and to save lives. The CDC estimates that 60% of these deaths are preventable. So how does one of the most medically advanced nations in the world continue to fail black birthing people at such high rates. One of the voices you heard there was Congresswoman Cori Bush, who actually had an extremely compelling testimony. But I think people just got distracted from her good points by this term she was using, birthing people, because it makes women, mothers, especially around Mother's Day, almost sound like some sort of robotic incubator. Yeah, yeah, I like that tweet that Ben Shapiro put out on Mother's Day right after that hearing. It says, Happy Birthing Persons Day to all the egg-producing homo sapiens of unspecified gender who made the decision to bring to term a meaningless cluster of cells. It's just absolutely ridiculous, guys, that we are trying to reword things, and it's really actually demeaning to women, as you pointed out. And honestly, it's just debasing to all femininity and motherhood and all the things that we cherish to break it down and just simply say we're talking about birthing. Yeah, one thing I've thought about is how we always see those red robes from Handmaid's Tale come out every time there's some kind of court decision on abortion um, because they're making the point that the whole plot of the Handmaid's Tale centers around women being subjugated and, you know, basically made into birthing slaves. And so it just seems kind of ironic that if you're going to go out there and say you're a feminist and wear these red robes, um, to, to then adopt this thing of calling mothers birthing people I mean, doesn't that just kind of erase everything you've been trying to accomplish? Absolutely. It's absurd. And it, it is absolutely the opposite of what the feminist movement originally wanted. And they've, they've run themselves into the ground with crazy terms. Thanks for joining us for this week's Speak Up Virginia, brought to you by the Family Foundation. Visit us at familyfoundation.org. That's familyfoundation.org. See you next time. And don't forget, we are stronger when we speak together.